1: Welcome to the New Books Network. This is the Construct. It's our loading program. We can load anything from clothing to equipment, weapons, training simulations, anything we need. Right now, we're inside a computer program? Is it really so hard to believe? Your clothes are different, the plugs in your arms and head are gone? Your hair has changed. Your appearance now is what we call residual self-image. It is the mental projection of your digital self. This... This isn't real. What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain.
2: Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Okay, welcome back to an emergency episode of 15 Minute Film Fanatics. Dan, you did something awesome with your son last night. Can you tell our listeners what you did?
0: Yeah, I took my my teenage son to see The Matrix for the first time. It was playing at a revival house around here. He had never seen The Matrix. He, and, and for years, I mean, the movie came out in 99. For years, I refused to tell him what it was about. I didn't even make a big deal of it. But it was playing last night and I said, we're going to go see this movie. And he said, what's it about? And I said, the less you know about it, the better. And it was so great to watch it with somebody who had no idea what it was about. He said when it was over, I thought it was going to be basically like some kind of mission impossible thing where keanu reeves gets gets you know hired by the government to hack in against the bad guys and i had no idea what was coming
2: it's just so much part of the public consciousness it's very difficult to imagine in the age of internet somebody making it through without knowing what the matrix is about and seeing it for the first time that's i feel like you just spent a national resource or something last night but that's that's a great story i'm glad he liked it Uh, i remember when i saw it for the first time Uh, my, my father took my mother to see it and left us with the babysitter and then came home and explained the plot to me. And, uh, I didn't think that that's what it was about. I thought, I thought clearly, uh, my mom got it wrong, explaining it to me. Uh, and then years later when I saw it, she was like a hundred percent exactly right. And what a movie, like what, what a movie to see when you're 13 or 14. That's, that's gotta be the best time.
0: It's the best time. So it's funny too, because that's become such a part of our, our, A consciousness or the way we speak to each other will say, oh, that's a glitch in the matrix or, you know, it must be the matrix acting up again, but you're right to make it that long and have the secret kept from you. It's great. And I'm also excited because the same revival house is also showing the sting. So I can't wait to bring somebody to see the sting for the first time.
2: Well, which is very much like the matrix, like the, the construction of a false reality.
0: So in part one, let's talk about that. In part one, as you probably know, as if you're a listener of the show, we talk about the overall image of the movie, their overall ideas and the big takeaways. So Mike, what do you think about the matrix as a whole before we get into scenes? Like what sticks with you?
2: Uh, it's just so brilliantly made. Um, like, I, so when you told me that you took your son to go see it, I kept thinking, you know, I I don't want to. Uh, I'm This is not meant as a slight necessarily against James Cameron, but thinking about say something like the first Terminator, um, all the ways in which people who make movies get stuff wrong, right? Like, there's there's one scene in the Matrix where Morpheus is explaining to Neo what the Matrix is and he says, "I know it was us that scorched the sky." He's he's alluding to a history that you don't see and you only have access to it as a viewer of the movie through Morpheus and his language, which is what makes his speech relevant. And so many movie makers give you the past, present, and future of what's going on. They're afraid that you'll be lost without content. The Matrix is movies made for people who can follow movies. There's no insult to the viewer's intelligence because they know that no matter how complex or interesting or weird that they make it, that you can follow along. And I think that that's something that we've lost as studios dictate to certain filmmakers how they can make movies.
0: Yeah, because in the beginning, remember... You get the Warner Brothers logo, and then it says the Matrix, and then it starts with Neo getting the, the thing, follow the white rabbit and everything. So, of course, today you would get a screen of, of text that said, "In because remember Morpheus says, I don't really know what year it is now, but I know it's not 1999. We kind of lose track of the calendar. You would have gotten like the history. You would have gotten a page of the history book you would have gotten what Star Wars did and I don't mean this as a knock on Star Wars with the trapezoid letters I think those are actually kind of fun in Star Wars and they make it more like an old time serial but you're right we would have gotten the story from A to B to C but it, talk about immediate arrests talk about starting in the middle of things and that's why the first 20 minutes are so great because you see you see Trinity climbing the wall and you see the cops are getting killed and you see Agent Smith and you you assume of course that Agent Smith is a CIA guy or he's a higher level guy than the cops you don't assume that he's a computer programmer that's become sentient that knows about the Matrix.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that one of the things that makes it interesting is, you know, I have, um, I have famous rules with my friends about how I would make a Superman movie. I do. And one of them is you don't show Krypton. Everybody insists on showing Krypton or the prologue, which is, of course, I mean, okay, I think the original Terminator is maybe James Cameron's best movie, uh, and I do really like it. But right. But it has to start in the future with the robots getting sent back. Whereas we all know that someone someone naked showing up needing to borrow clothes and then saying I'm from the future is how you start a movie.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny when you think about because the movie is very much about Neo becoming a superhero. I mean, he's the chosen one. Right. But of course, at the end, then you don't. We'll talk about this. We get to the ending. You don't get his further adventures. I mean, the sequels tried to do that. I think the sequels are terrible. Have you seen the sequels?
2: Uh, I have. And I I will admit I have a guilty pleasure for one scene, which is I do really like when Colonel Sanders explains what the Matrix is, because I I think that it's a really interesting uh, meditation on human nature that you you find out that they tried to make some kind of perfect environment.
0: Well, that's explained in the first one where where Hugo Weaving says the first, remember, the first Matrix was paradise, but nobody believed it.
2: Yes. And I I, I just I I love that. And I think it's really interesting. But I, I do think that the 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 set the subsequent movies failed, because they weren't able to do what the first the first movie would do, which is leave us without resolution. I think if the if the Matrix has a precedent, which is is funny, uh, or a predecessor, it would be the Empire Strikes Back, which is the second Star Wars movie. Where you pick up with some characters, some characters are fighting a galactic empire that can't be beaten. There's certain wins and certain losses, certain people get away, certain people die, or are presumed dead. And you you end up in a place where the fight is going to continue, but without resolution uh, as, a, as a viewer. Uh, and I think that that's what The Matrix does really well. Okay, welcome back. So in part two, of course, we talk about key scenes or the scenes that I that really envelop the the themes of the film as a whole. Dan, what was your moment watching the Matrix?
0: My again? moment watching The Matrix for the twentieth time this time around was when um Cypher is having dinner in the restaurant and you find out that he's really uh, the the mole he's really the traitor who's going to turn them over to the to the machines and he's eating the steak and he says I know this isn't real and I know what it goes in my mouth it's just electrical impulses but it's so good and 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 he's decided that he wants to go live in the matrix to give this information. Now, what's interesting about that first of all a plot device it's great like there's only five characters in the movie and then all of a sudden the movie becomes like tinker taylor soldier spy and now but the other characters don't know it so there's that whole element which is great what i love about that is it brings up this idea from a quotation that i'm sure you know john stuart mill once said better to be socrates dissatisfied than a pig satisfied so i want to say that again Better to be Socrates dissatisfied than a pig satisfied. Now the the people in the resistance think no, they agree. It's better to be Socrates dissatisfied, flying around on this gray ship, eating gruel and eating the stuff that doesn't taste like you know cream of wheat or whatever uh, that just gives you your, your amino acids every day because at least it's real. But of course, I think the interesting is that Cypher's like, yeah, I don't care that it's not real. That's miserable. And I'll be the brain in the vat. I don't care. Turn me into a battery again. And I think that the more you tease that out, you could see the legitimacy of both sides of that. Because to be Morpheus, to be Neo, to be Trinity, to be Tank, that requires a certain level of heroism that not everyone's going to have. And that the average person might say, you know what, I'll just go live in my phone.
2: Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing about it. Well, you brought up Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is classic Cold War tension between uh, the Eastern communists, uh, you know, and the and the Western capitalists. But it's it's like if you traded modes of life uh, with their actual beliefs. So if you gave the communists the stakes, right? That that's what that's what Cipher is 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 trying to trying to agree to. That was also um that was also my my moment, um, because I I think that that's that's probably one of the best scenes. It's certainly some of the best acting in the entire movie, right? This is this is really thought of as an action movie. A lot of people made fun of Keanu Reeves fairly or unfairly for him saying, uh, I know Kung Fu. Although, you know, his stunts were awesome and he probably does know Kung and Fu. And I will
0: say that when he said that, when I saw it last night, when he said, I woke up and said, I know Kung Fu, huge laugh. And it was not a laugh of of, of irony. It was a genuine, because everyone's on his side.
2: Yeah. And he like he's a very charming star and he makes the movie work. So, you know, I think people made fun of him unfairly. Uh, but that is some, I mean, that is some real acting. That's a great, that's a great audition So let's scene. talk
0: about that moment. Cause you said it was yours. Like so my kind of still your moment. What do you make of the fact that Cypher says, you know, I don't remember anything like he wants to have taken the blue pill. Like he, he wants no memory of this at all. What do you make of that?
2: Yeah. I, I think it's a moment of poignancy because you find out why he's doing it. He's, he's doing it. Cause he's in love with Trinity, uh, or or thinks that he's in love with Trinity, and there's there's no possibility of love for him, but he thinks that there's some kind of possibility of uh, of love in a dream. I mean, people tend to take the Matrix either way too literally or not or not literally. I mean, you know, people walk out of the theater eyeing other people that came you out of it. You just watch at, everybody right.
0: out down the street and you're like, "Yo, oh, man, you feel like you just got off the payphone and that you've been told the truth about the world." And what a great way to feel.
2: But uh I think I think the way in which it is true is that uh Carl Jung said that uh people don't have ideas. Ideas have people. And what that means is unless you radically observe what's going on in your own heart or in your own soul. The general rhythm of life splitting off people ideologically will just sweep you up and will run you. If you don't look at what's going on in there, you are not a person having an idea uh, an idea is having a person and you can live your entire life like that and I think that that's what being in that's that's what's being shown. Uh, by by an agent right if you're if you're part of the matrix you can turn at any moment because you may be an ideologue and not know it until you hit the right issue and the switch turns on and all of a sudden you're you're militant about something that you didn't that you didn't understand and so i think that the the movie actually does a really good job showing that the dynamics of free thinking versus uh kind of a plain ideology or the the unobserved life to go back to to socrates right when when he says the unexamined life is not worth living he's talking about an idea where or, or, or a life where you're possessed by ideas rather than able to be possessing ideas um and so the, the i think the real question everybody has to ask themselves when they leave the theater is is that an allegory or how close to reality is the matrix really how close to the matrix is the way that the way that I feel because you there's there's a there's a line where, uh, Neo says, "Why me? Why'd you pick me out?" Right? And what does Morpheus say? Right? Morpheus says, "Because there there's a splinter in in your mind."
0: Right? Because he says, Morpheus says, "Because for years you've known there's something wrong with the world, and you couldn't articulate what it was, but it was like a splinter in your mind."
2: And I think that what the movie is trying to say about reality, about its viewership, is that. The quality of your life will have to do with what you do with that splinter, because there's nobody that sits in the audience and goes, well, I don't feel that way. Like we, we all right. We all we all feel that way. But the but the, the the question is, what did you actually what did you actually do about that? Right. the, the it, It's meant to it's meant to to poke you into some sense of self-examination.
0: Because you could either, you know, people go around all day spouting things that quote unquote, everybody knows, and they just say things they've heard. They just repeat things all the time. That's what the matrix wants. That's what the agents want. That's what the machines want, right? But every once in a while, you know, what do, that's a great thing is what do you do with that splinter in your mind? Well, you might make a movie. You might write a novel. You might, you might, you know, um, have a family. You might, you might do something to assert your own free will against that system. Because that's what Neo says in the beginning when Morphe says, do you, Believe in fate, and he says no. He says why not? He says because I don't want to believe that all my 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 decisions have already been made, and so to, to to strike back against this sense of conformity and to strike back against the code that's already been written to keep you in line, that's I think what John Stuart Mill was talking about.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that really um, you can you can just pick a philosopher at will, right? Like Heidegger would say that Neo is reacting to his thrownness into the world, and that outside of the Matrix, he has some sense of actually being there, right, and, and going against the crowd. So I think the the point is not to make it the philosophy of any particular philosopher, but rather what what philosophy is about. And I think that that explains the universal appeal of the matrix because everybody is sitting there with the ability to either go with the splinter and try to work it out uh, or to just leave it there. Uh, But, but to just leave it there means to be an agent of the system.
0: Yeah. Philosophy is what you do with the splinter. So welcome back in part three. We always talk about the ending or the title. Well, go. <laughs> the, the movie really has
2: two endings, right? So the, first ending i guess not the ending ending is uh neo is killed fighting agent smith but his body doesn't die and somehow that brings his soul in the matrix back as the chosen one and he's able to destroy uh evil agent evil agent smith and so it turns out that the oracle was actually telling him the truth the whole time that that he could be the chosen one but maybe in another life
0: the oracle told him. Lawrence Fishburne says the oracle told him what he needed to hear, because he needed to go back to try to save Morpheus.
2: Well, but the but so so what is it really about, right? Who who controls my my destiny, right? And I'm I'm only I can only act or react to information that I do or don't have, uh, it right. But but ultimately, I think that this is about the it's about the triumph of free will because um, Neo becomes the chosen one but he does it on his own terms based on choices that he made that he thought would directly counteract the the place that he was going right he would he's happy to be the chosen one if it means that they get to live free but at the same time he's willing to sacrifice his life for somebody that he knows personally what he doesn't know is that those two paths converge into a single thing uh, right but so he thinks he's making a choice but there's no choice to be made. He's walking where he needs to go. And so ultimately he's, he's free to, to be the hero.
0: He can opt out of it. And also at the end, I think, I don't know if you remember the final image of the movie is he hangs up the phone he tells the audience yeah we're still out there and then he flies and he flies past the camera and of course i think that's a great way to show his free will because now he's lighter than air now he now he's superman now he can do what he wants and he could do it on his own terms because part of making the matrix work is that you have to believe that the matrix because it, it's too much of of it's too much of a mind-bending thing right so when he first finds about it out about it in the white room right is he just goes no no it can't be and and i love how uh, murphy says i would not tell you the answer i just said i would tell you the truth and that's why everybody fails the first jump test when you have to jump between the buildings because you really can't believe the story that this is fake but once you know actually it's not even belief it's knowing once you know what the matrix is then you can do bullet dodges and you can do whatever you want the machines know that which is why they're unstoppable until neil comes in at the end so once he has absolute free will then he can fly
2: well so i think even the but there's a limit even on the machines right because he can move he can move faster than they can because the, the basically the the matrix was made for him not them Right. So if he if you feel like you are made for the matrix, you are a servant. If you feel like it was made for you, you're the master. And so you can that's why you can do whatever you want. Um and so right, he's and he says I'm gonna I'm gonna do it publicly and I'm gonna show everybody what's possible, which is which is what the system is trying to stop him from doing. And and it's just it's interesting. What's what's interesting about that is that no matter what philosophical stance you take or what political stance you take, this is the core message at the center of it. I, I mean, I, I would be hard pressed to think of a movie that more people have seen and more people enjoy, no matter what their philosophical and or political background uh, than The Matrix. I think that really explains the universal appeal uh, of The Matrix is, is that it's not it's not necessarily pushing any particular point of view it's it's going to the core issues that exist so that you could form a point of view. But ultimately, if you say, I have a point of view, then at some point you started to examine what was going on in your own brain and tried to free yourself from the system, which was difficult at first and involved a lot of being in denial and self-denial, but ultimately becomes freedom.
0: And it also does that with a lot of guns. A
2: lot of guns, a lot of jujitsu's, and a lot of motorcycles.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed our look back at The Matrix. You could follow us on Twitter at 15minfilm. You can also follow us where, Mike? Letterboxed, And of course, Twitter and Letterboxd, they're not part of The Matrix at all, are they, Mike? Uh...